This is the Brisbane Football Review with your host, James Coglin. It's never a good sign when I'm the one presenting a logical solution. Scott Owen. James, can I just make this one quick point? And Adam Pace. Uh, I'm a male. No. Plus some special guests starting now. It might have been an international weekend, but it certainly wasn't a break for the Brisbane Football Review with plenty of action still to cover on this week's episode. It is James and Scott with you once again and with Adam off on another overseas jaunt. He claims he's working. I'm still not entirely convinced. Uh, We're going to bring in our next man up, and that is Alex from the Queensland Socceroos fans. Hey, Alex, how's it going? Good, James. How about yourself? Yeah, it's uh, not too bad. I'm thankfully dressed in uh, appropriate Socceroos coloured attire. Scott, how are you? I'm good enough. What do you mean it's no weeks off? How did Adam get another week off? I I don't know. The last time I I was able to get a week off, I had to, you know, uh, I became a father. So that was pretty much uh, the level of commitment I'm working with here. So good to have you on board, Alex. Yeah, great to be here once again, gents. Uh, Looking forward to the show. That's right. The Socceroos played. How did you enjoy them? Very good. And then not so great uh, in the (laughs) second game. Uh, well, you know what I always say, they're only friendly, so just have a bit of fun with them anyway. That's, that's right, exactly. But before we get into Alex's uh, specialty subject on this particular quiz show, we are going to touch on the Raw's A-League women's action because they are playing out their campaign. And it was a bit of a frustrating evening overall was they uh, were able to play a little bit of spoiler against Melbourne Victory down in the alleged centre of the universe, Scott, but... Uh, they were able to take a point up from that trip down to Melbourne, so not all was too bad then. Yeah, frustrating. That was really bad sentence. It was frustrating for the victory, wasn't it? They're the ones who were still in the race for the top four, and they probably had had this game earmarked at home for three points, but the Raw went down there and fought really hard, didn't they? They put a lot of pressure on Melbourne victory. Shea Connor's got herself another goal in the game, and they ended up coming away with a quite credible point in the end, actually, and perhaps they were under pressure in the back end of the game. Obviously, Hensley Hancock made a bunch of saves late on, but... They did enough to get something out of the game. And away from home, it's not a bad result for the Raw, given how good Melbourne Victory are. So it's not a bad result to, for the Raw, given their season is done and Victory are, are a big club. And it's always good to um, get one back over them, isn't it, when they ruined the Raw's premiership party a couple of years ago and now the Raw have maybe knocked them out of the final. So something good came out of it, but not a bad result away from home. We should also mention for Kaya Stevenson, a, maybe looks like a bad injury for her, so probably won't play the rest of the year. So hopefully... Hopefully that injury is not too bad. We see her back soon next year, but it didn't look good. No, it was really awkward early on where she was just, yeah, like went down. It, it looked like a fairly innocuous challenge as well, and that's a really frustrating. Uh, Got to be the really frustrating part for her because she has missed a bit of time with injury this season as well. But I suppose as well as well at this time of the year with mostly pride on the line as well, you're just playing it uh, safe with those sorts of injuries. Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I don't know which MPL or FQPL club she signed for over the off-season, but I imagine whoever it is would have been a little bit nervous the way that she went went off and then was in a moon boot. But, yeah, she's missed a lot of time. Had done quite well, actually, in the last few weeks as well, Kai, hasn't she? Coming in late into the side, playing in an attacking third. So hopefully it's not too bad, but it's not a bad result away from home for the Roar. And they finish at home this weekend against Perth on Saturday afternoon, James. And where is that game again, Scott? That is at the home of, of Queensland and Australian football at the Parc de Paris. <laughs> That's it. The uh, origins of the universe, as I think we're calling the Sunshine State. And just for Alex's reference, that is the official name of the venue. That other name you've heard, that's not accurate. It's Parc de Paris. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, okay. that, 
That is the anglicised version of the name as well. So uh, when you and Liam are doing your Queensland Socceroos fans posting uh, during the upcoming Women's World, yep, you, you've got to let it. You've got to make sure. I'm just going to write that down now. Thanks. <laughs> but um, I did also just want to uh, mention as well, backing up the two points you made on that game, Scott Shea Connors, it, the confidence just continues to grow, and I don't care that the victory keeper uh, was it Casey Dreamon. It was. Yeah, got a hand uh, to that shot, still no stopping it, and just a remarkable finish. And it was very much a game of super highs and super lows for Hensley Handcuff. There were a couple of moments where I was watching the TV going, oh, oh dear, what are you doing? What are you doing? But it all worked out in the end. No harm done from uh, when she took a, took a couple of calculated gambles and came up with some huge saves as well. Um and I'm glad that uh, Gotham FC haven't recalled her like some of the other Raw players had to do, go back to their parent clubs. Yes, it's very fortunate for the Raw they were able to keep Hensley for the remainder of the season. Did quite well. I know you mentioned had a bit of a rough rough moment, a couple there with coming off the line and all the rest of it, but some really good saves in that as well. And it did show that the progression she has made, some of her shot stopping this year is outstanding. And I imagine when she does go back to the States in a couple of weeks' time, she'll be certainly knocking on the door of getting herself into, into that side because she's also a junior national team player as well, so she can't be far away from starting for that club. Yeah, and look, that is the benefit of that um, setup with Brody Sams, the former Raw goalkeeper over with Gotham FC. I'm sure he was happy to say, stick around for an extra couple of weeks, get some more minutes uh, of experience under your belt, and now she'll head back a little bit more confident as well. She's been one of the Raw's best players this season, and we'll talk about that a little bit more next week when we and have Unless the... they're going to play her in these games straight away, why wouldn't you leave her out here and keep playing? What's the point yeah. of bringing her back and sitting her on the bench? Yeah, and look, I'll, I'll put my hands up. I don't know uh, Gotham's, uh, which, by the way, really not a great team. a good team, team name. name, isn't it? Gotham FC. No, nah, I don't like it's it. It's very American. Yeah, but I, that's, like how, that's like the New York Jets um, putting like Gotham on their uh, merchandise as well. I just, if New York's the greatest city in the world, why are you replacing uh, the team name? Alex, you got any ideas on that? Um, yeah, going with like the whole, you know, explosion. If I'm going to get the comic book wrong, but you know the the Batman. Yeah, you know the whole like Marvel Universe, DC Comics. I don't, I can't remember which one it falls yeah. into, but like that whole wave of making a movie every five minutes and releasing it. Maybe they're going for that sort of market. Yeah, well, with with the New York Jets, they tend to stumble and fall flat on their face every five minutes. But that's a different sport. <laughs> I'll come that's on. right. You can always be like New England, just use technology to spy on your opponents. That works too, I guess. Yeah. Hey, the, the filming was legal. The location wasn't. That's the issue. We're not like uh, Marcello Bielsa. <laughs> uh, anyway. Let's, let's move on, and uh, Alex, we'll get back onto your specialty subject, the Socceroos. It was back-to-back games against Ecuador, and um, I think it was a pretty good hit-out overall. I mean, it was friendly, so I can't get too happy about the win on Friday night, but I'm also not pulling my hair out about the loss last night as we're recording, but plenty of positives. You're not starting your Arnold out calls again. <laughs> no, I'll put I, I will start those calls if they wind up in a precarious qualifying position, though, considering the fact that it seems like half of Asia is going to be uh, making USA, Canada, Mexico 2026. Alex, your thoughts on the uh, series? Yeah, um, look, I, I think you, 
you said it quite well, James. At the end of the day, it was a friendly series. Um, the, the big positives really come into the fact that we saw a lot of the, the I guess, some of the new players that will supplement the, the ones we saw um, only a few months ago at the World Cup. Um, a big, you know, the most impressive of the lot for me was Joe Gauchi last night. Um incredible performance. I mean, look, he did concede two goals, yes, but ultimately a penalty in a corner. Not a lot he could have done with it. Uh, Aiden O'Neill as well in the first game was was really, really, really good, I thought. Um, neither of them looked out of place and, and will certainly contribute in that, that qualification campaign and probably even more uh, prevalently at uh, the Asian Cup um, at the end of this year. Okay, so the Asian Cup has actually got a date locked in. I know it was originally meant to be in China, but naturally other circumstances kind of got in the way, as has been the case for the last three years now. It's moving to the true centre of the universe, James, because our... Mm, yes. Uh, in here I was thinking that was going to be Hollywood. <laughs> actually, I think uh, it might be start of 2024, but yeah, around... Either I think it's January, isn't it? Yeah, I think yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I um, got that one wrong. Well, my first takeaway from the series was Brandon Borello as he just continues to go from strength mm-hmm. to strength. Um, I'm a little bit surprised that he was, you know, leading the line. I thought, it, you know, maybe I'm just putting too much weight into his time with the Raw, but playing as that wide attacker as well. Scott, like, he, he just seems to keep going and growing in confidence as well. And the fact that he's got that versatility to play in multiple different positions, that is just unbelievable. It is, and we'd like to make jokes at Marco Rudan quite a lot around here, and quite rightly so in a lot of cases. But <laughs> the job he has done with um, with Brandon Borello this year in that Wanderers team is absolutely outstanding, isn't it? The way he's converted him into a centre forward when when the guy they brought in wasn't working for him to play Brandon through the middle, he's gone to a whole other level. Now he has got that versatility. He looked at it last night in the second game down in Melbourne. It didn't look like they were missing Mitch Duke quite often when he's not there in the past. It's been, gee, there's something missing when he's not there. Brandon Brello stepped in and did a really, really nice job in that role. And I thought that was one of the, the big positives, as well as um, Aiden O'Neill that you mentioned, and Alex in the first game. I thought he was superb. The other thing is some of the young guys that did bring in, it was great to see them getting involved in and around the squad. And a couple of them made their debuts, and inclu- including young Alex Robinson, who is one of the three guys who've, who are probably most front of mind when you think of players of dual nationality, him, Volpato and Kachati, to have one of them in the Socceroos squad right now is a real positive. They can get at least one of the other two. They'll be in a great spot. But to see Robertson commit to Australia, great story with his father and grandfather playing for them as well. So to have those, have one of those three guys locked in is, is a real positive for me. So uh, again, I don't really worry about the results. To me, there's a lot of positives you can take out of, out of the two games. Yeah, and I, I just have to keep going back to the fact that for me in these sorts of matches, the results don't matter as much as just getting everybody uh, through the matches in one piece as well. Um, Craig Goodwin, yeah, like I, he just, again, if he didn't want to stay at Adelaide, I'm sure the Reds probably could have paid for uh, the next year or two on their salary cap based on the last six months for him, Alex. Yeah, one hundred percent. He just he just keeps delivering. He's just um, been an incredible asset for the Socceroos, um, and and a real sort of um, uh, rebirth of his career, I guess, in, in a sense, because um, you know he was over in the uh, the centre of the universe at Saudi Arabia, 
um, for that, uh, what, six, 12-month period, then come back on loan. And ever since he come back on that initial loan, he's just skyrocketed in form, I think. And, um, yeah, that, that left that left peg is just an absolute wand. Like, it just... Uh, well, I mean, the, the shot in the game last night was from his right peg and slipping, which, you know, probably... Imagine if he didn't slip, he probably did get... Would have got the goal himself. So, um, yeah, he's, he's a real asset, a real leader, and... Um, He's, he's a real um, asset for, for this uh, soccer squad going forward as well into this this critical period that, that we're facing. And also we got to see Gary and Cole uh, get some minutes as well and his first international goal. However, I'm going to be a little bit of a killjoy here, as I say with a gigantic smile on my face. Everyone's big bane VAR. He's it, like the referee and I try not to criticise him too much, there were some howlers that really could have used someone competent in the booth to uh, override them. And if I'm really nitpicking, three of the four Socceroos goals scored in this series uh, may, have been, may have been offside, Scott. Well, let's focus on the positive that they scored four goals, all right? Let's, <laughs> let's ignore the fact that the refereeing across the board was pretty pretty average. Let's be honest, there were some yeah. pretty robust challenges that on, an, on a more competitive fixture probably would have gotten a yellow or a red card and there was there was a concussion thing you know, last night with Cameron Devlin which we'll get to probably that should have been dealt with a fair bit better than it was and you mentioned the fact that some of the goals when goals weren't correct I think there was a soccerist penalty that was declined as well that looked yeah. like a stonewall penalty right on half time so over the two games it wasn't fantastic refereeing but I'll still take that over five minute interventions from a from a VAR booth thanks very much I'm more than happy to to put up with that. And if it had have gone the other way with Ecuador scoring three goals, I'd say the same thing. Alex? Yeah, I, I tend to agree with Scott. It was quite refreshing not to have um, the the uh, tentacles of VAR all over a couple of games of football. Um, it was also, um, yeah, look, the, the refereeing, particularly last night, I thought was just an absolute shock. I don't know where that bloke came from, but I hope we never ever see him again because he was horrendous for both for both sides as well. Let me, he just he just didn't know what he was going to blow for, you know. So it, it felt like he'd lost control of the game, and that was probably mm. the most frustrating part as well, where you could see that. again, it's a friendly. You could see the frustrations building on both sides, and I kind of felt like Ecuador. He, like that, they got away with a few things. Socceroos got away with a few things, but again, I'm just going to, uh, you know, pull the string on my back and I'll go to my favourite line. For all the people saying they'll happily tolerate uh, all the refereeing errors um, under the sun to get rid of VAR, I, there is no way in hell that is going to happen. I'll, I'll complain about them. I complain about the 2006 Lucas Neal thing, but I'll accept it because that's the referee made a decision. Mm-mm. Right. No. I would rather. I don't. Well, the, the VAR wouldn't have overturned that one anyway. But I'm just. I just. I can't put up with five minute replays and looking at things with a fine tooth comb and putting a line on the screen for an offside that makes no sense. To, no. No. Get not, rid of it. I, I know Sweden saying... said during the week that they are getting completely and utterly rid of it. So I might move to Sweden and just just start watching that league. I think because that'll be. That'd be great vibes with no VAR in there. I, I know. I'm just saying that the tolerance of refereeing errors, like go go look at park football and see how tolerant they are of refereeing errors. It's a fair call. It's a fair yeah. call. Um, the other issue as well, you already touched on it, Scott, was the concussion 
uh, the, oh, it, the apparent concussion. I don't know if he's officially been diagnosed by... Um, should have been tested for it at the very least. Mm. Yeah. And again, in a game like this, I can understand he's desperate to sort of make an impact on uh, Arnold and the sort like the entire coaching staff and show just how tough he is. But why was Cameron Dev- Devlin allowed back onto the pitch after that, Alex? Like it just, it made no sense to me where you're putting this guy through an unnecessary risk in what is essentially a kickabout. Yeah, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. And like he had a fair gash on his head too, like as well, like, you know, potentially of the, the concussion as well. But the gash alone and the, the amount of blood he lost was, was really quite concerning. Um, I just don't see why he needed to come back on at all uh, as well. You know, he's got a, a flight halfway back across the world to to play for his club. So, um, yeah, it didn't make sense to me. Um, and, and the other one I just wanted to quickly bring up, if you don't mind as well, Gents, is um, not not long after was the Bailey Wright incident. He looked, he looked more concussed. Oh, look, obviously, I'm no doctor, but he looked uh, like he suffered a lot more of a, a head knock than Cammy Devlin did personally. And, um, you know, I think uh, Andy Harper brought the, the point up um, quite well last night in the call about the, like just how poorly our game deals with concussions. It's, it, and it's not, just, and it's, it's not just a football thing either. Worldwide, you look at, like, the NFL's already been sued for concussions. I think mm. if it hasn't happened already, I keep reading that the AFL is about to get uh, sued yeah. for NRL, rugby, like, and I'm sure it'll be coming up in hockey as well, where just any sort of sport that involves collisions and contact, it, it's something Isn't that Isn't there talk to... about particular junior age levels now to ban heading? They don't want to make it illegal to head the ball for up until under-13s or something to protect the the head at that young age group isn't that part of the part of what they're working on changing it, it, it would be although quite frankly given the um, skills i had as a 9 10 11 year old the ball never was able to reach my head anyway yeah i uh, i'm in the same boat, high for everyone else wouldn't it be <laughs> Uh, I think um, I think some country did um, actually ban the the whole heading at junior level. Where the the country escapes me at the moment. But um, although uh, actually, yeah. just just quick, you you mentioned that there's almost a little bit of a theory behind that as well. Where I I, I get I, I get that it's you know heading is a part of football and whatnot, and you want to teach the kids all the skills as early as possible, but it's not the worst idea from a developmental standpoint to say, all right, you can't just lump it up to the tall kid to um, head into the goal. You've got to try and find a way to play it That's through. That's not I the mean, tactic, James. You put the fast kid up front, you lump it over the top and let them run onto it. That's the way you win games. Well, don't I just sound so old? But actually, yeah. to be to be fair, I've seen uh, a, a, a few semi-professional teams that use that tactic as well. It works. Uh, don't knock it. I know, but I'm just saying, like, from a developmental perspective, at least then if you're sort of encouraging the players to dribble more, because, like, we've been having you on the show for several years now, Alex. It's talking, like, we talk about what the um, players, like, what's missing in Australian players, and it is that confidence to dribble and take on defenders. Like, using Harry Kuehl as the example of, like, the guy who was just not afraid to really go at players, and... The, the young guys coming through now, like Aaron Kunda, the Qualls, um, 
Alan Mobile, even to a lesser extent, just a guy that dribbling has almost become a bit of a lost art. So if they do try and, uh, if not eradicate, then minimise heading in the junior games, there is a way to spin it around. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good point, James. Like, um, it could certainly put more emphasis on yeah, those sort of lost arts of of dribbling and then potentially, you know, uh, you know, pass and move along the ground rather than sort of yeah, the the long ball tactics that we associate with the mighty Stoke of uh, the um, 2010s and then uh, 2000s. Um, the old Poulos ball um, is something that a great we all wish to long throw. What a oh weapon. yeah, unbelievable. Now he's young. I didn't enjoy it one bit. Yeah, no, no, I don't think anyone did, did they? Maybe apart from the ten Potters fans that exist. But if you like watching um, Arsenal concede hilarious goals, you liked it. Sorry. If you liked watching Arsenal concede hilarious goals, you did. That's true. Yeah. As James flips me off for the second time in this show so far. (laughs) I'm going for five tonight, so just watch yourself. (laughs) This could could get quite interesting. Yeah, when Adam's not here to play Peacemaker. I'll bring it back to the soccerers because we've kind of tracked away from you. Because the the whole thing over the last week, the the World Cup vibes have been back with soccerers in the country and having them back has been absolutely fantastic. It would have been even better if the um, whole stuff that happened just after the World Cup didn't happen. But do you reckon they actually got what they wanted out of these two games? Because it were two competitive hitouts against a really good South American side. And it seemed like they were two really even games. And once Ecuador put the foot down in the second half last night, they really did show what these young guys need to level in to get to, didn't they? That was that was the most noticeable thing. Once the soccer has made the changes and Ecuador really put the foot down in the second half, that's the standard. That's the level I have to get to. Yeah, it was a really good test for, for the lads. And, and Ecuador, um, you know, I, I like to give them a lot of credit too. They're, they're a really good side. Uh, I think their issue is, and it was at the World Cup, without Anna Valencia, they don't have any goals in them. But the two the two strikers, um, I think it's Kevin Rodriguez and uh, the striker came on last night. Uh, his name is, escapes me at the moment. But they're big, physical, strong lads, and they really gave our defenders a really tough time, as evidenced by uh, Tommy Deng, unfortunately, giving that penalty away uh, for, for um, Ecuador's first goal. But, yeah, I think Arnie and, and the, the team... Uh, at, at the uh, at the federation did a really good job in you know picking out Ecuador and, and getting them out here for you know not only one game but two games to to really test the lads and you know it, it's given some of those young uh, young players that we've talked about you know the the Aiden O'Neills, Gauchies, Qualls, um, even Geordie Boss for a, a, a few minutes last night, a real understanding of what international football is about, what the level is. And, um, you know, that it, it's not just, you know, pretty football that you'll face. You'll face big lads just lumping it and running at you and, and, and you know, tackling you hard. So um, it was a really good test, I thought. That Kevin yeah. Rodriguez was playing second division not long ago over in Ecuador, wasn't he? He looks a real player yeah. up front. Yeah. He, looks, he looked really if he, handy. If he can learn to finish, he'll be he'll be yeah, be straight to Europe in a year or two, you'd imagine. Yeah, with, without a doubt. And, but Ecuador is probably one of those teams that you sort of look at and think, you know, if if you don't watch too much football, you might think the soccer should have comfortably won both of these games. But you gotta remember like they were one of the five best South American sides because they, they made the World Cup, unlike Peru. Um, but or they, Chile or Colombia. Mm. Yeah. 
And but I mean, like, this is also the next evolution of this Australian side that we've got to uh, hopefully see them uh, get to. Where we we saw what they could do in the World Cup, winning that ugly, like gritty football as well. But I kind of think when they've got a team that has the ability to also play in that sort of, I don't want to say dirty because it wasn't dirty, but like get down in the dirt and like turn the game into a scrap and play it on that level that they were comfortable. And I think Australia still just has a little bit of a development to go with this next generation of players coming through, Alex. I think I'll try and slot in a term, a bit of street fighting football, maybe. Just Thank you. Yes, bit, that's what yeah, I was trying to say. Yeah, yeah it's all good. But yeah, that's the, and that, that's what Ecuador's specialty looked like. Um, to to be fair, um, they they really scrapped and worked hard and played with a lot of pace. And I think you're right, James. We've got to that that next evolution. I think has got to come where we've got to be able to, you know, not only take on, you know, the David V Goliath battles where we're, you know given it to, you know, we're, we're taking France on or we're taking Denmark on and, and you know, being a bit of a Robin Hood and taking points off them and things like that. We've got to also try and be good enough to break down teams that might have similar similar qualities to us. And I think that comes with the territory of of hopefully getting those players that, that can unlock defences, you know, a la Volpardo or... Um, you know, uh, Alex Robertson, those kind of players with a bit of intelligence on the ball is is what we're sort of, what we have sort of lacked for probably a little while, um, personally. Yeah. Well, the final point I wanted to get to as well, and I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily think that you know this is the 2006 golden generation or the beginnings of that era, but I do feel like. With the way that this side is building, and look, I, I was more than happy to say get rid of Graham Arnold, but with the way that he's building his side, and the and the guys they've got coming through, you know, the Mobile, well, not Mobile, um, Aaron Kunda, Aaron, yeah, Aaron Kunda, Quall, Quall. Uh, yeah. a lot of the, a lot of those other young guys like Riley McGree, like that Ollie Roos side that went to Tokyo a few years ago, is that? They're the ones that I'm mainly thinking of. Hmm. They've got the makings of a side that I think should, like, if they keep progressing the way we hope they will, and the fact that we've got multiple players coming through, it is that sort of situation where the round of 16 at 2026 is going to be the bare minimum pass mark as well, because it does feel like we are sort of seeing a little bit of an identity develop with these guys as well. And, Again, I you know was as critical as anyone of Graham Arnold, but I I do feel like this is a side now that can sort of take the next the next step, and it, it all just comes down to how these guys develop in clubland as well. Don't forget we have the um, elusive round of thirty two at the World Cup next time around as well, because you've got the extra round. I thought the it was still the round of round there's a ra- Yeah, there's, no, it's an extra game no. squeezed in. It's three group stage. Round of 32, 16, quarters, semi, and a final. They've added – that's the extra game they've added. Still so, got to be round of 16, then. So, I I like... so winning a winning, – well, to be fair, winning a knockout game should be the next major goal the Socceroos do try to do. And I do agree with you. The young team that they are building, I'm intrigued to see which of the young Oli Roos players from this current cycle that are about to do their qualifying and Olympics next year do get into that team. I, I suspect 
the young kids that were in this camp, the Geordie Bosses and the Nestria and Kunders will now drop back into that Ollie Roos squad, James. That should be their priority over the next 12 months. And I know there was a lot of people very disappointed young Nestria didn't get onto the field last night, and I was one of them. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to have just had him around the camp for a week, let him get used to the situation, get to know the players a bit, and then once he develops a bit more physically and as a player over the next 12 to 18 months, then unleash him. He's the sort of player you bring in once the World Cup qualifiers kick off early next year. At that point, he'll have done the Olympic qualification campaign. He'll be hopefully, fingers crossed, on the path to Paris, maybe overseas as a player by then, and then he's a, ready to be a fully-fledged soccer. In fairness, he's not ready for it yet, but it was great to see him around the group. Yeah, I completely agree for that, Scott. And um, I think a really good example of that is that um, Joe Gauchi was in the squad as a train-on player, I believe. Uh, might have been this time last year or something along those there lines. Thereabouts, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, just look at what, what he's been It was the Japan home game. He was a train-on ah, player. Ah, okay. Yep, yep. Gotcha. Thanks for that, Scott. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, he, he came into the squad and look at the – Look at the 12 months he's had since. Like, it's just been incredible. And, and even he said it himself uh, post-match uh, last night. So I think that was um, – it's really good to expose these young kids to the setup at the very least. Um, you know, obviously we'd love them all to get game time and come out and absolutely brain it um, out in the pitch. But, that, you know, at the end of the day, there's only 11 men that can go on the field. So um, you have to temper your expectations uh, some of the time. And you don't just give out caps for nothing either. They've got to really earn it and deserve it. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's something that Arnold is probably going to be doing. But it's one reason I think we can be happy that he's stayed on. Like, I would have happily seen them move on to uh, someone fresh. But I do think there's something Arnold is going to like, – a benefit of him staying on where he knows these uh, next generation of players coming through and he's got that investment in – making them a part of the next generation of Socceroos players. And and I didn't actually get to say this to you guys during the World Cup as well, but, I mean, like, as much as we've disliked the guy for his club exploits and occasional national team um, follies in previous stints, you couldn't help but feel happy for the guy just looking at him on the sidelines after the Denmark game or whatever and just the sheer unadulterated joy and what he'd been, what he was able to pull off in Qatar. Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry, Scott. There you go, Alex. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I completely get, agree with you as well, James. You know, um, uh, I've, you've heard me rant and rave both <laughs> and off air about my thoughts on Arnie, but it, you know, you're right. Like the World Cup was a pure redemption story, and who doesn't love a redemption story, right? Like it, what what he's done, it, it, it brings a smile to my face, you know, and. You know, in his playing career, he, he certainly did it tough and he, he, he put everything into wearing that green and gold jersey as a player. So he knows what it means. Probably the first in as the Socceroos coach came too early. Let's be quite honest about that. And, and you know, we saw all the flaws as a result of that. Um, you know, club lands, let's not even talk about that because I don't want to. And and, and the second time round, it, it about 2011? Like a, that was great. March 2011, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty good, wasn't it? Um, but, you know, 
uh, I, I think second time around, look, he, he was right at that make or break stage uh, with the Peru qualifier. He went down to why, but let's not forget his predecessor, Ange, did the same thing. And Ange was the, the golden boy to a lot of people, including the press, um, before mm. his mate uh, before his mates started, before Arnie's mates tried to get him the job and backstab Ange. Um, but, you know, uh, and then Arnie got the golden boy status and, you know, had to fight it back. But... Uh, it, it's great, and as you said, look, he took he he took the Oliveros to Tokyo, so he knows this generation. He's got a real investment, and you can see that he's got a, a vision broader than just the soccer. Is he wants uh, a home for the national team? He wants he he keeps championing uh, the A League clubs to give the kids more minutes, and you know, and and trying to help the kids go overseas and and try their luck in Europe. And and you know, Rene Mullenstein is a is a great um. Uh, person to have over the best Alex he did yeah look I don't want to go I, I didn't really want to bring him up but he's part of the setup and he's a key part of the setup for me so you know he, and he did learn from the best unfortunately so when did he work for Venga? please please <laughs> oh come Venga. on I have to get the, I had to get that one Venga. um yeah so that was our summary of the Ecuador series and what's to come for the Socceroos. I think they have, have they got any games lined up for June just yet? They are trying, uh, but they haven't locked anyone in. But they're hoping for another two-game series, I believe. Is that right, Scott? Yeah, they're lining up games in June. And Graham Model kind of spoke about it during the week, oh, the last couple of days, that they, their games a lot of the senior players won't play in. So the guys who went to the World Cup the senior players probably won't be there. So you think about Matt Ryan, Aziz Beige, Aaron Moyes, who wasn't here this time either. Those type of players probably won't be involved. So you might be looking at more of the developmental style of of game series there. So maybe not the higher quality opponent. I think the big one everyone's looking forward to is England, right? England at Wembley. That's that's the one. I mean, if Australia win that, we're never playing them again. Yeah. I don't want. If we win that game, I don't want to play them again. That's it. Unless and we like, them in a World Cup yeah. or something, that's it. No more friendlies if we beat them at Wembley. Unless yeah. they want to come over here and play, then then I'll think about it. But I want to line up a game against Scotland, actually, because this whole soccer Twitter argument between Scotland and, and the Socceroos the last couple of weeks has been quite fascinating. And they did beat they did beat um, Spain 2-0 overnight. Great. Good old Scott McTominay in that game. But that's one and I'd love to see is Scotland, and, uh, Scotland for that rivalry thing. But... The England game later in the year will be fantastic, but it just sounds like June is going to be another opportunity for not necessarily the Ollie Roos players, more the fringe guys we kind of saw in these last couple of camps and who've been in the squad lately but only have a handful of caps. Another opportunity for those players to get more experience sounds like what they could be going for in, in June. And it's all building up to the Asian Cup, which is taking place in the Southern Hemisphere summer you know, in the Middle Eastern alleged winter. And a uh, few of these guys might have a chance to, um, I suppose, audition. Alex, I'm going to throw a bit of a curveball at you, so good luck okay. with this. All right. But who is your Asian Cup squad bolter to keep an eye on? And you can't say Aaron Kunda. Okay, cool. All right. Because James um, is going to. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Yeah, host, host's got the, uh, the rights to that one. Um, that is a really good question. Let's go with, um, let's go with, let's Joy go with questions without notice, right, Scott? Yeah. Yep. Let, let's I've go. got an answer, but. 
Let, let's go with... Oh, I've got uh, an extra curveball for you, Scott. Oh, great. Let's go Falparto. There we go. Oh, okay. You think he's going to commit by then? Yep. I reckon, I reckon now that we've got Robbo, I reckon Mullenstein and Arnie are going to be in Volpato and Kirkati's ear and going to uh, sweet talk at least one of them. Okay, well, I have one follow-up for you on that. Okay. In a sentence, pitch playing for the Socceroos to Volpato. Um, oh, just look at the, what, the last World Cup. Look at the word, what it means. Like, look at what it means. What the, <laughs> Do you want to qualify? Yes or yeah. no? Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, well, look at the last two World Cups then. Yeah. Um, all right, Scott. Yep. Your soccer is Bolter from the A-League. I was going to say D'Agostino. So you've really annoyed me. Surely counts, doesn't it? He only left just like last week. Yeah, that was going to be my answer. Was Nick? All right, I'll give, I'll give, I'll give you daggers. I'm trying to think of who, who from the A League could make a bolter for the thing, for because it seems like most of them have already been picked up now. And there's, hmm. I can't. No, 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 I'm, talk, I'm talking about. Like, it doesn't have to be a person who is yet to be capped. I'm talking about someone who might be on the fringes that suddenly works their way into like starting eleven or super sub role. What's is it? Gabriel Clure, the Wanderers right back. There we go. Oh, yeah. Keep an eye on him because that, that position is not sol- oh, solid yet. They continue to try three or four different players in that position. I know Degenek did quite well over these two games, but maybe there's a spot there in the squad. Fair enough. Well, He's been quite impressive for the Wanderers. There you go. There you go. But my I'm, answer I'm, is D'Agostino. I'm standing by it. Yeah, that's that's fair. I mean, like there's, there are spots still up, very much up for grabs, so it will be interesting to see uh, what happens. Quick mention as well of the Ollie Roos as they took on Cesc Fabregas and uh, Gigi Buffon's uh, Como team. And what happened there, Scott? Is Gigi Buffon still playing? Or is he coaching there now? I think, I think he's Buffon, playing. I think Buffon's at Palmer, though, isn't he? I thought I he was with Como as well. Yeah, oh, yeah. maybe, maybe he's, he has a share in the club. Yeah. yeah. So what happened is uh, they beat Como 4-0 in that game, James. So it was a good result over there for them. No word necessarily who played in the game. Alu Quoll was one of the goal scorers, so good to see another Quoll on the score sheet for Australia and building for the AFC Under-23 Championships, which is, I think, later this year, Alex? Or is it early next year? Yeah, I think it's... Is it the middle of the year? Although that seems kind of weird, doesn't it? Should probably um, done some research on that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, well, speaking of um, things developing uh, coming up, I want to go watch Ted Lasso. So that's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you very much, Alex. Thanks for having us as always, gents. It's so right, uh, quick, quick plug for Queensland Socceroos fans. Yep, you know it, my favourite thing in the world. On Facebook, <laughs> if you want to look us up, we are Queensland Socceroos fans. And on Twitter, the handle is at Socceroos, QLD, QLD being in capitals. Perfect. Thank you very much, Scott. Thank you. And by the way, it is allegedly in early January 2024. And guess where it's going to be played? Oh. Saudi Arabia. No, Qatar. Oh, there you go. According to Wikipedia anyway. So if it's wrong, blame Wikipedia. Anyway, good to, good to have you on, Alex. Good to talk to you once again, James. Thank you. And uh, get out to Parc de Paris this Saturday. It's the final home game for the Brisbane Roars A-League women's side. A whole lot of local football in action as well. The Raw men are playing the Central Coast Mariners Saturday Evening, and we'll be back to recap it all on the next edition of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll talk to you then.